That Force Radio. That Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? Hey guys, Dustin Wint. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Tom King. I write Batman Bitch. And this is Bat Force Radio. Welcome to Bat Force Radio, the Batman slash DC podcast with no limits with the stack episode for May 1st, 2019. I got Grandpa Batman, a.k.a. Dr. Do from Texas. Hey. I got Robin Cross up in Canada with Lisa Simpson. How are you now? <laughs> we got a really good, robust show on the docket tonight. We are covering Batman number 70, DC's number one. Batman TMNT Volume 3, Issue 1, the Gotham finale with Party City costumes, Potential Joker and MK uh, DLC, DC Collectibles' next wave of uh, Batman the Animated Series figures that we got to review early, uh, a trip to the Secret Stash, and more. So, uh, all right. First of all, how's everybody doing tonight? Superb. Everything all right? You're right oh, there. I just had I just had a big meal. We got to go with tonight. Uh, let's kick it off. Uh, Batman number 70, man. Uh, hey, Rob, we, do we have two artists on this book? Uh, we certainly did. Uh, let me get back to the end. So, yeah, the artists on this one were... Uh, Mikhail Janin. This was, yeah, this was a combination of uh, Mikhail Janin and Jorge Fornes. Oh, you mean... Both yeah. guys are absolute killers. Man, Mikhail... Whoo, damn. And the colorist was excellent, too. Batman's... Uh, so what's happening? He's, he's waking up from this nightmare, right? Yeah, uh, the last issue we got was uh, Batman finally coming out of, you know, breaking out of the, uh, I guess, the spell of uh, Scarecrow's toxins. Mm. And now he's uh, ready to peace out of there. But first he uh, is going to beat his way through uh, Arkham Asylum. Uh, we get an all-star game of the rogues gallery here. Yeah. But... Uh, I wanted to dive in a little bit to a device that Tom King uh, has used before in some books, and it returns here, which is uh, poetry used to frame the story uh, that's taking place in the issue. Yeah. So this issue starts off with uh, Maxi Zeus in the asylum, and he is uh, reciting, uh, as he usually does, uh, Maxi is reciting a poem. So... The poem that he's reciting is uh, from a book called The Marriage of Heaven and Hell by William Blake. Mm. So basically, uh, what we see Maxie saying, exactly, <laughs> uh, what we see Maxie saying Force here is uh, he's talking about this character uh, named Rintra uh, shaking his fists. Uh, shaking his fires in the burden there. Mm -hmm. And basically, Rintra is this character that Blake had created that uh, sort of personifies uh, the righteous anger of a prophet. Mm. And the the righteous anger of... And Rintra is sort of parallels like a biblical-style hero. Mm. Uh, and that really parallels Batman is like the hero and... This story is about his righteous rage, mm. uh, and it continues along. Like the the poem tells the story of Rintra going through this path, and the path had been uh, the the path was perilous, and it was designed to be perilous, basically. And it was you know the the work of this enemy. And there's a, another line through through the poem I, I can't remember if maxi gets to this part or not but uh, it's talking about a villain who has taken the the perilous path taken a hard path rather than taking the difficult one so that can be considered uh bane choosing to to go through all this work that he's been doing to take batman down you know rather than just not going after Batman. He's been going through all this work, setting up all this stuff, all the all this shit he's been putting Batman through over the last few years. 
uh, is his perilous path you know, to, to go after him. Then the issue closes with him uh, reciting from another poem. So th at the end here, it closes with, as Batman is about to leave us, the asylum after, you know, we'll, we'll go through everyone that he deals with on the way. But as he is on his way out, Maxi is reciting uh, a part of Dante's Inferno uh, from Canto 3. So this is as Dante and Virgil are at the gates of hell. Uh, so they're beginning their road uh, to the underworld. And when they're at the gates of hell, this is the point that Maxi Zeus is reciting at the end of the issue, just as Batman has finished going through this perilous road of, of all these villains. Now, as he's leaving, it's you know, suggested via the poem anyway. And again, don't listen to me. I don't know shit. I'm just assuming what I think Tom might be using this, this poetic meaning for is that it looks like Batman, like Batman thinks he has everything in control at the end of this issue. He puts this whooping on everybody and gives the message to, to be given to Bane that, you know, he, he's going to come back for him. But it makes it seem like he's, he doesn't have it all in hand as he thinks he does. For all we know, the way this is set up, if he's just crossing the gates of hell right now, for all we know, the next issue could have Batman walking out those doors and walking straight into Thomas. So that was a lot the, longer than I intended it to be, but yeah. Or the hell that Bane has unleashed on Gotham since he's been under. Mm. Yeah, like we do know cycle. that the uh, the next arc is Bruce and Thomas dealing with each other. So, mm. and it's going to contain the poem by Robert Frost, "The Path Less Chosen," the road not taken. Sorry. Oh, my, uh, my, cut that out. My 11th grade English teacher so upset. <laughs> the strange lesson. <laughs> it feels like full cycle with um, Tom King's writing and uh, breaking Dude, out of Arkham again. He puts the ass whooping on some people, man. I, yeah. I love how Riddler's the first victim. And yeah. that's how I'm going to call him, is victims, because that's really what they were. I always you say know, that um, people, we always say, and it's true that Batman doesn't use guns. But I always made a joke that the way Batman pounds people, you'd wish he gets shot by Batman as opposed to getting pounded by his fist sometimes. <laughs> He's just taking Riddler's head right there and smashing into his knee. <laughs> smashing into his knee. And I love how... I clench and a, a knee right to the face. <laughs> and I love Mikhail Jannon's Batman. It's almost like he's like a young version of uh, Frank Miller's Dark Knight. Because, I mean, he's like... He's pretty beefed up right there in those pages i love the uh, coloring on this too i i like yeah. i really like both artists but i i wish mikhail did the whole book to be honest with you because i just love the angles and the colors and how the it changes through every panel and the panels are slanted and uh, i love the the mad hatter just getting knocked out that, that cracked me up i like I like they uh threw in dr phosphorus is it yep yep uh we've got uh calendar man in there uh flamenco is in there man bat Zaz. Uh, but what's what's interesting is there's the inclusion of Ventriloquist, who is reporting to Bane what's going on, mm. and he says he's telling them you know, what Batman's doing, and he says, "Yeah, he's at Scarecrow next, as you requested." What Batman is doing right now is exactly what Bane intended for him to be doing. And that kind of circles around to the. Uh, I think it was the second arc where Batman went to defeat Bane with Catwoman and Ventropus. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. true. I love uh, this freeze panel where uh, he's like, foot, 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 and then Batman just says, freeze. <laughs> that's so Tom yeah. King, man. Great looking freeze, man. And the talk that Batman gives as he's approaching him, you know, talking about all the times that He's blasted him with that gun before in case he ice, and then he you know, found some way to get out mm. and smashed him in the face. It's a great-looking freeze that he drew. I tell you, man, we can never forgive them for that New 52 freeze, that abomination, <laughs> that fucking <laughs> patch of white hair and sleeveless suit bullshit. Never forget. Who designed that? Then he goes at Scarecrow. I love how, you know, while he's fighting Scarecrow... He's unleashed some of the gas, and like Scarecrow's the one scared there. 
Yeah. And Batman's like talking to him, you know, kind of hidden behind the gases and stuff like that. And uh, he says, I owe you for the insight you gave me. And I, I like that because, you know, Batman, through these nightmares, it was almost like his his own subconscious was really his only ally to get through all these nightmares and things like that. And really kind of told him more about himself and helped him figure out what's going on. You know, kind of also explained, like we talked about in the issue 69, why he realizes Selena and him didn't get married. He also pounds his way through... Uh... Amygdala and uh, Solomon Grundy. That scene after um, Grundy, you know, mm. he cracks his knuckles and he's like, yeah, this is going to be an awesome fight. And then when he wakes up, he starts laughing. Yeah, I, I was wondering. What, what did you too. guys think of that? Yeah, I, I don't know if he was still affected from a Scarecrow or uh, from from the toxin or, yeah, I wasn't certain what was going on there. But, yeah, it's, he gets up from the rubble. And is kind of rubbing his eyes, and then we see the two of them are knocked the fuck. So he he clearly won that fight, but probably took a beating in the process too. He just but the laugh, yeah, the laughter is what kind of creeped me out the most about this book. I was like, oh, yeah, what's going on? Yes, yeah, it's like Batman is uh, scariest when he seems happy. Yep, like good cop, bad cop. Yep. <laughs> well, why are you smiling? He, he's like, do you want a donut? What was there poison in it? He's like, no, just chocolate. And he's like, okay, all right, I'll talk. I'll talk. So it's like when Batman's acting normal, you know something's wrong. He's telling Harvey to relay a message to Bane, saying he's coming back with an army. So I like how he leaves that those last three panels when he's leaving, and that it's like that silhouette as if he's leaving through a. A passageway with a really, really, really tall structure, or the way it reminds me of the crow. Remember, you know what I'm oh, talking yeah. about? Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah, just had that feeling. I thought that was a great issue. That was a cool, fun issue. I'm just wondering why he didn't knock out Maxi Zeus right there. He just left him preaching. Yeah, he's just the narrator of the issue. <laughs> <laughs> he got off lucky. He'll get him on the way back. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was a that was a fun issue. I, what do you how do you guys feel about when they switch up the art like that with two artists in one book? I guess it's because it's a bi monthly and they got to do what they got to do. But for, sometimes it throws me off. Even if the artwork is good, I don't know. I got mixed feelings about it. But because I maybe because I just like Mikel's artwork so much, and then I still like the artwork, but it was like a shift, you know? Yeah, it messes yeah, with I, my mind. I, I love both artists, so it didn't. Yeah, it didn't. Uh, it didn't bother me. I, per se. Yeah, it took me... I had to, like, actually readjust a little. Because it does change the tone because you're, like... It feels modern and then it feels like year one Batman because of his style. So you got to really, like, adjust. I'm, I'm like, eh, I don't know. Even though the well, art's it's not only mm-hmm. it's not only the art that adjusts, but it's like Jordi Belair changes some of the, the mood with the colors as well. DC issue number one. All right. All right. So let's see here. Um, Justice League defeat Darkseid, they break his jaw, and um, then they realize that he wasn't trying to take over the planet, that wasn't his objective, and then he creates a portal and leaves, and then Batman pretty much tells the Justice League that uh, Cyborg is missing because he had a tracking device on him, you know, because Batman doesn't trust anyone, you know, Cyborg could be used <laughs> as a weapon, so. Kind of goes back to Tower of Babylon there, you know? yeah. And then Isn't that the I, story where he's got the contingency plan on all the Justice League members? And Yeah. Now, I, I want to touch on the stuff that uh, Tom Taylor started with here. Now, if if you don't know Tom Taylor by name, he's the guy who wrote Injustice. Uh, he wrote that hmm. outstanding Batman Annual issue 3, the Alfred story, Father's Day. And he's written a ton of other stuff. He writes stuff for Marvel. He's done indie stuff as well. He's all over the place. Uh, The sort of narration, I guess, that uh, the issue starts off with, the last line that's on the first page, uh, it started with something like thunder. Mm -hmm. I don't know how how else to describe it because it was a sound no one had ever heard before. And then it continues on the next page. It was the sound of a Superman breaking the jaw of a god. Mm. Yeah. That's badass. Yeah, that was pretty bad. They we find out that uh, Cyborg is being held captive on Apocalypse, right? Desaad. Desaad. He's talking about the anti-life equation. Well, first, it's important to explain why Batman knows that 
Cyborg's gone and also why he was tracking him. You know, he explains that, you know, he's made of technology from Apocalypse and he's like, we don't know all the capabilities that um, he's he's got. So it only makes sense to Batman to say, yeah, I need to, you know, have a contingency plan. That kind of explains why Cyborg is not on Earth. Yeah. Because he, yeah, he calls him a walking weapon of technology running through his body, which they barely scratched the surface of understanding. So, smart move by Black. Uh, we passed by uh, another line that I like a lot on that title page, that, that double splash page, uh, as they're wrapping up with Darkseid, you know, making him agree to, to not come back. Uh, that, that final bit on that page, uh, it was perhaps the League's finest hour. It was their last together. Mm. It's another foreboding line yeah is this so this is um is this outside of continuity or is this yeah it, it has to be because it fucks the world up Dasad is uh talking to cyborg yeah he's talking about how he's dark side possesses half of the anti-life equation and they've tracked down the other half to being in him so that explains why they got cyborg and of course cyborg's being a little smart ass while uh Desaad's trying to give him you know this creepy villainous spiel you know how they always kind of talk out their plans. He he actually makes decide remove his tongue. Ooh, that was badass. Yeah, they removed his tongue. Did you see this on the back? And you you see the. Oof! He won't be licking any <laughs> anytime soon, boy. That's for sure. <laughs> but yeah, but he summons the black racer. Yeah, because uh, Desad explains to Darkseid uh, that using like. A, Darkseid has this mother box that contains his half of the anti-life equation. Mm. And Desaad explains that his mother box will add his half to Cyborg's system. Mm. But explains that there's a problem merging the anti-life equation uh, without destroying the host is is dangerous. Yeah. This is the so he brings death there so that they can make sure that Cyborg doesn't die in the process. And yeah. fuck everything. No. So, uh, what did they? I think they, yeah, they cut off uh, Death's arm. Is that what they so did? They have, I thought they just they oh, attached no. oh, yeah, his yeah, whole that, arm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, he just jabbed that uh, big uh, IV into him, basically. Mm. Pretty much, and yeah, gave him a transfusion of death. Yeah, and then you could see in the whirlwind, it's saying loneliness, alienation, fear, despair, failure, shame, death. Looks like Dark Side absorbs it because he's. Darkseid starts to rip his head apart. Yeah, the the act here messed up the anti-life equation and turned it into not at all what Darkseid was expecting. And uh, you know, it yet yeah, he absorbs it and it just makes him go crazy. It's almost like I kept thinking of that movie Bird Box when reading this because you know, in that movie, all you had to do was see whatever it was that. Yeah that you know made people go crazy and stuff like that and it sucks that they never show what people are seeing right but you know this possesses dark side Mm. and he and uh (laughs) this blows up apocalypse it looks like well i mean yeah he pretty much says uh the black racers like it is time for a god to die Mm. yeah he pretty much blows up his own world i like that box where the sod says dark side is and then you turn the page and it shows apocalypse blowing up and it says dark side was mm. that's crazy and yeah the sod recognized that you know the the anti-life equation that was this new version of it that was in cyborg was too dangerous and boom tombs him uh back mm. off there but it was too late and yeah. so now apocalypse is destroyed but he's he got cyborg back to earth before it happened and now the same thing starts happening on earth yeah because he, he starts emitting like these wi-fi waves where the anti-life equation begins to spread as a techno organic virus and anyone who's viewing it via like social media or whatever <laughs> it starts ripping their face faces off and heads off and it's kind of like social commentary this it's is what's pretty social- much <laughs> it's pretty much a resemblance of Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Every time a Tom King book comes out. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be the meme this week. It's kind of cool. Then we cut over to um, 
Big Barter and Mr. Miracle with Superman. I didn't know he was going to be in this book, so that's pretty cool. You know, that's this, so I. This is at uh, Mr. Miracle and Barda's house. Yeah. And it's funny that if you look around the house, there are framed pictures of Flash, Hawkman, Green Arrow, uh, Batman. and Batman hmm. <laughs> all over their their house or apartment, whatever it is. Yeah. Because um, Mr. Miracle was going to go to Apocalypse. Yeah, they were. Uh, they were going to go to. Superman was there to ask for their help to you know, explaining that hmm. Cyborg is on Apocalypse and yeah. needs some help. But then shit breaks loose and Superman leaves, uh, <clears throat> just to see that everyone is fighting and ripping their heads off or scratching through their heads. And to see, he shoots over to see Lois with uh, who's that? Is that Damien and uh, John? They're playing. Like, yeah, John and Damien playing video games. Playing Mortal Kombat, yeah, and just uh, <laughs> and Lois is looking for her phone. Uh, so John finds it for her with his X-ray vision, and uh, as he's about to grab it, he gets blasted in the hand by Superman, stopping mm. him from grabbing the phone. Yeah. Now this next phase is where the book gets real crazy. Like this is a brave chain of events to mm. put in issue one of a series. We have Batman in the cave, you know, seeing what's going on, uh, recognizing what the problem is so shuts the uh shuts his network off from the the worldwide uh net and just goes to to his local network and turns all the digital cameras uh switches everything to to analog stuff to be all safe but the house has already been infected i like when um he realizes that and he says activate the manor uh, electromagnetic pulse and you see like a green beam blasting through the mansion everywhere and uh but i guess it was already too late which we'll discuss in a second because we shoot back over to uh lois and uh soups i guess they're just explaining what's going on yeah well they're Damien's comforting damien explaining that you know don't worry about it your, your dad's got this then they shoot over where batman's looking for alfred when he goes it looks like the kitchen and it turns out uh nightwind's already is... been messed up already by the, the wave well, this is a unique Damien because he's like, I don't know. It's like a little bitch. Yeah, he, he's like, normal Damien would be like, oh, shit, I'm going to go. I'm going to. That That's 100% true. Normal Damien would be like suiting up and getting ready to go. That is weird. Tim Drake, too, has been been uh, warped or whatever. And they're both fighting yep. Batman with Alfred, like, panicking in the background. All right. Ah, then the last panel, you just see Nightwing take a freaking bite out of Batman's neck like the back of his neck Ooh. Yeah, it's crazy now yeah you can say that well the variant cover <laughs> is a zombified Batman but more often than not variant covers have nothing to do with the contents of of an actual issue I don't know if you guys ever read All right, I think it came out in like the early 2000s a novel by Stephen King called Pulse and it was, I think it was a really similar concept where these waves were being transmitted through like cell phones and everything. King was talking about people addicted to their phones even before the smartphone. It was crazy. And pretty much people were losing their minds and tearing each other up like they're doing in this book. So it's really similar. I thought that was kind of interesting. But what do you guys think of Deceased? Yeah, Freak. great. Yeah? Pretty, pretty strong start. I mean, it's... it's kind of cool to see like a basically a Walking Dead version of Batman that's about to happen. But uh, it's it's not surprising to see Tom Taylor go this strong right out of the gate. Like, this is a guy like I mentioned who wrote Injustice that began with Joker. He began with Superman and, putting his yeah, hand through Joker's heart. Well, no, that 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 was second because what it began with was Joker drugging Superman and making him think that he was fighting Doomsday. Yeah. And yeah. flying him out into space to kill him. But what he had actually done was flown Lois up into space and killed her. And Lois was pregnant at the time. Superman had just found out she was pregnant. And Joker had also linked... Uh, he had set up a bomb in Metropolis. And it was linked to Lois's heart. So when Superman killed Lois and their unborn child, in the process... He blew up Metropolis. That's some black label shit, boy. Off the handle. Mm. So yeah, that that issue ended with Superman showing up at the jail where Batman was interrogating Joker, and yeah, Superman just 
smashes in there, takes over, and puts his hand through Joker's back and out his chest. <laughs> so that's the kind of story that Tom Taylor writes. So it's not particularly surprising that issue one of this starts with Nightwing ripping Batman's neck out. What I'm going to be interested in is do the zombified versions of the heroes still have like their conscience where this evil zombie Batman can now think and and go after the Justice League, you know, based on the weaknesses he knows. Because, you know, in the beginning of the book, Flash asking, well, did you have trackers on all of us? And he kind of hesitates. So, I don't know. It's going to be a very strong start. Slide what new boy. What, what's been your favorite variant cover so far? Which well, they're... For uh, deceased or yeah, deceased. I like the one that looks like it. Oh man, yeah that that uh, that's one of the ones that will be available to every shop. So your local shop should have that one. There's but yeah, so there are many of them. So that many, yeah. I, I could probably ones. pick ten favorite ones so far. Just what we've seen. One that I posted recently was uh, Lucho Perillo. Oh and man. That, yeah, bat the zombie Batman and Wonder Woman has the lasso has him tied up with the lasso and her foot up on his back. Actually, I know which one. The um, zombified Alex Ross Joker in Harley by Arthur Soydon. Um, yeah. That yeah, one's that's amazing. Cool. That sold out quick, like pre-order. Hopefully to make that nice trade with all of them, right, Grams? Okay, you get them all, <laughs> in, get them all in the back, boy. But, man, I you know what? This one crept up. I don't even remember this being announced. Batman Ninja Turtles Volume 3. Issue one dropped this week as well. The gift that keeps on giving, man. The first two arcs have been great, especially the last one when Donatello gets hooked on Bane's venom. Really <laughs> strong storytelling. They make Batman and the Ninja Turtles, they make these two franchises work so well. And we're on volume three now. And in volume three, man, they're they're going balls to the walls, man. They're well. It's also kind of riding. Uh, the coattails of the recent Batman Ninja movie that came out because That's true. this version of Batman is like whatever you know universe that he's in. It's like he was raised by he was raised with the turtles. Yeah, so he's always been a ninja. Give all these universes. So this universe is a fusion between the Batman universe and the turtle universe. So yeah. so far we don't know if he's dreaming or hallucinating, but. Right now, we're in a universe where they both coexist together. It's merged. So it's called the Smile Clan, and it looks like they're robbing a museum. So it's Harley Quinn with the... Um, she has a bunch of hyenas with her. Like Rocksteady. It's like a Clayface Rocksteady and a Killer Croc Bebop. I like that. And a Deadshot mixed with... I don't know who he's a hybrid with. I forgot what character that is. It looks like Azrael, but that... Would be two DC characters. Gordon's there as well, and it's pretty. And Joker's merged with Shredder. Yeah, I like that. And Batman swoops in, and Batman has a, a really unique bat costume where his bat chest emblem. It almost looks like it has drips from it. I don't know. I thought that was. It. But what I found really interesting and unique and clever is that all four Ninja Turtles are paired up, are merged with the Robins that best fit their personality. And it's so perfect that it's weird. So Raphael's the hothead. So he's the Red Hood Ninja Turtle. And then you have Michael. Don oh no, Donatello is the nerd. He's merged with Tim Drake. Michelangelo's the young fun one. He's merged with Damien. And Leonardo's like the first and the leader. So he's merged with Nightwing. And they both have, they all, all the turtles have, you know, these cloaks and emblems and, Colors that you know kind of represent the Robins that they're merged with. Pretty good idea, actually. But throughout the story where they're fighting in the museum, to shift forward a little, Crane finally shows up in in the third arc, in this arc, and he hints that they're in his universe now, almost like he he's aware and control of what's going on in terms of the universes and what's merging and whatever. And, you know, Casey Jones is a is a Gotham City police officer. They're ordering pizza at Wayne Enterprises and dropping it through a chute. <laughs> That goes to the back, hey? <laughs> well, know. I like how Harley Quinn releases, you know, her hyenas. But they just go up to Michelangelo and they're like licking his hands. And uh, Raphael says, they just smell the pepperoni on you, man. And he <laughs> says, pizza is always the path to peace. He's like feeding them pepperonis. 
But I also liked how it ends, and it's called like Crisis in a Half Shell. So they're kind of doing the mm. what was it, Crisis of Intim- Infinite Earths? Yeah, or Final Crisis with, or with something crazy. with with the turtles kind of involved. Yeah, them they're merging it well together. What's really cool is how in the Batcave or whatever you want to call it, um, there's all of these crazy Easter eggs. So you have the Turtle Blimp, which is like the main toy back in the day, and it was also in the uh, the cartoon. But it's iconic. The turtle. Instead of a dinosaur, they have that. Well, it's a it is a dinosaur, but it's a different dinosaur. And I think it represents one of the mute animals, or or the or maybe the rock soldiers. I forgot, but. That was a prime character in the turtle universe. And then instead of a big penny, looks to me, because it has a hole in the middle, it looks like the old school New York City subway token instead of the big penny. So there's a lot of cool, fun Easter eggs. And um, who's it, Tynan and Williamson? Robin? Yeah. Yeah, so these uh, you know, these guys are big nerds. and they, they know Well, also, stuff. Eastman did some art on this, you know, especially when it shows, like, the original gray turtle that... Yeah, um, about so that that last scene is um, this character appears and he says um, he shows up and he says this is all wrong and all and you all know it. The pieces of this world aren't in the right places. They've been screwed with to make you all weaker. This is all by design and it's probably Krang that merged these worlds for the moment to make them weaker. And who appears out of a trench coat, really big as well, is the original. Laird and Kevin Eastman black and white turtles from the 80s before the cartoon. But there was kind of a little hint of this on like page two because mm. you've got Batman prowling over the city, jumping, and you know, there's the big Batman splash page. Yeah. But then I don't know what is, the lightning bolt hits the ground. Mm. You know, this guy asks this homeless man for his trench coat. Yeah. Also, in that final scene where they show Krang, <clears throat> Krang's body, where he's a host, and it's not your typical body that we remember. It actually looks a lot like Bane. It has a similar Bane mask and those tubes running around the arms. Not definite, but it, it looks it looks like a, a Bane hybrid. So. This is real. They're real. There's a lot of fan service in this third edition to Batman TMNT mythology, and uh, these guys have proven themselves to be able to make these two franchises work together. So this is really interesting. I'm really excited to see where this goes because it's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty. And another little nugget with this book is that it gives us a one-page preview of uh, the Scott Snyder Greg Capullo title coming up. Oh, the last night on Earth. I think it is. Right. Oh, Robin, you didn't read that one, right? The uh, the sneak preview. Yeah, I've I've got it open in front of me right I got now. Them, yeah, uh, it's pretty. It's pretty much Batman just waking up in like a hospital, and Alfred's pretty much telling him that he killed his parents in alleyway, and you know Batman's flipping out. So could not mistake that uh, Greg Capullo art anywhere else, man. It's uh... good people of Gotham. This is Bat Force Tom's wife. Thank you for listening to Bat Force Radio. Now will you take the trash out? Fine, God, do it now. Good so, reading this week, huh? So pretty uh, Batman heavy. And, and there's a lot more coming out too. Uh, like the DC Year of the Villain uh, issue. That's a 25 cent issue. So mm. pick that up as well. 25 cent uh, bastard. Yep. Mm. Uh, Justice League 23. Uh, mm. Scott Snyder and Jimenez. Uh, Deathstroke. Deathstroke 43. Yeah, Female Furies. Damn. Green Lantern. Young Justice. Super Sons. Oh it's a big, it's a big busy week. And uh, since we just covered the uh, Batman Turtles issue, I don't think we've talked about this yet. That we are getting the Batman Ninja Turtles animated movie. That is creeping up. The Batman TMNT franchise has been so popular recently technically you have four arcs this is the fourth one counting the one idw put out which is batman the animated series style artwork with our friend john samariva was it is that his name he yeah was on and matt Manning. yeah so that's four arcs it would be nice to see uh more of theirs too i i hope they'll do a second volume it usually goes one in one but i guess um dc has permission to put out these arcs it's that's good because technically after this arc They'll actually have enough for a Batman TMNT omnibus, which is pretty cool. So they should definitely do that. And don't forget, you know, the Turtles were also in um, the Injustice 2 video game. They're coming out with a Batman TMNT animated movie that looks really good. So this it's it's just a popular team up, man. I'm glad it's been successful. It's, those were the two kings back in the after school cartoon days. <laughs> they finally met. Moving <laughs> so, <laughs> so 
So the Gotham television series on Fox comes to an end this past week. <laughs> and boy, and boy, boy, did it come to an end in a, a memorable way. That last scene. Well, what what happened? Was was that the kid in the suit? That was the was that. I, I, I haven't watched it, but uh, I don't know I had heard something that there was going to be an adult version of Bruce that was going to be in the suit, but I, I don't know how it played out. Just to sum it up, the last scene for the last episode of the Gotham series on Fox was the shot of Batman on a ledge overlooking Gotham, and man, it looked like Party City mask with, like, it, it looked terrible like well also i mean what was across his stomach i don't know it was, man. looked like some kind of, i don't know <laughs> so it's like where did they put, where did they put this garbage together you know, you know just people for, people for future were, reference uh makers of gotham when if you're gonna make a suit don't diy like hit up somebody like reeves the facts you know get somebody that knows what they're doing mm. have them make you a badass suit well, people, there were some comments on um, some of the posts on Instagram where people, you know, they made a good point. They're like, you know, it would have been better served if they just showed him from behind with the silhouette and you could see like, you know, the cape and the cow from behind. And that would just leave the whole episode in the whole series on a much cooler note than showing from Less the front. Basically. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know what they what did? They did. They... They overreached. It's like, you Let's know, you could have ended it. Is bad if it's this bad. Like, you you felt obligated to show Batman in the end when you really didn't have to do it. And you shouldn't have done it because it just flashed forward too much it, and it didn't look good. You felt, they felt obligated to do it maybe. Or I think it's a creative liberty that they shouldn't have done because I think there's a lot of people that did enjoy the show and that really didn't end it well for them. I mean, if it did, then man, they you like your party city Batman, but it just I, I don't think I really don't think it was necessary to do that. Like yeah, like even a silhouette or him from behind or something, but a full blown close up shot of that really cheap dollar store Christian Bale looking Batman suit, man, was just you know like you'd, you didn't even have to see Batman like even in a silhouette, like just ending it with like a shot of the city. And then having a shadow drop across the screen and obscure it, and you hear, you know, the cape sound that you know, you know, the, the sound of the flapping cape as he, yeah, as he drops by, just the the screen going black as a shadow jumps in front, and you hear that sound. Yeah, they had some hits and misses. Like their scarecrow looked amazing. I mean, their ventriloquist their Bane, looked. Yeah. Oh my goodness, yeah, so good. Bane did not look good. Bane, Freeze did Bane, not look Bane, good. Yeah. Now, Selena was... Um, she was all right. I don't know. Yeah, I, I liked the casting of her. I don't know. I I haven't seen her recently because I didn't see the, uh, the most recent seasons of the show. But at least in the early seasons, she looked like a child-aged Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. That's I'm sure that's why she was cast because she did have that look. So that was perfect. Hey, that's yeah. that Swamp Thing trailer looks quite promising. Well, uh, I love the first season of Titans. I like Doom Patrol even more. Mm. And yeah, the Swamp Thing looks like it's going to be badass. I hope the Harley Quinn animated series is good as well. You know, I don't really like Harley Quinn anymore, but I've always liked animated Harley Quinn. And if it has an R rating, I think it has an R rating, right? It, it, it might have some potential. We'll see. Yeah, and you know, you get a lot of fun stuff like Young Justice. Jim Lee said they're going to add like 20,000 back issues to the streaming, to the service as well now or something like that. So, um, you know, that's the place to be, man. Quick note, Mortal Kombat 11 came out last week. And um, apparently the downloadable character list leaked because somebody uh, found they found the code within the switch i think it was the switch console or version or whatever this they found the code within the switch something i don't know these fucking nerds and it showed all like the downloadable <laughs> characters that are coming out or whatever so the non-mortal Kombat downloadable characters that were listed were ash from evil dead terminator so i'm guessing the endoskeleton as well spawn which is we've been waiting for forever in a mortal Kombat game and the Joker. So mm. it's fairly, it's pretty damn reputable. And even all the guys at GameStop that were giving out the pre-orders were like, yeah, you know, 
we're not allowed to confirm, but it kind of leaked, and uh, looks like Spawn and the Joker are going to be. And that's interesting because we're going to finally see the Joker do fatalities. That I can't wait to see what they're going to look like because these fatalities in this game, in Part 11, are so over the top and graphic and gruesome and ridiculous that I'm really excited and intrigued in terms of what they're going to have the Joker do. <laughs> it's going to be nuts. So. But uh, I think next you're going to be waiting for the Walter Flanagan DLC, correct? Yeah, Big Walt. As a matter of fact, I, I met good old Walt the other week. Me, Teezus, and the Cookie Kid took a drive out to Red Bank, New Jersey. Jay, I went to Jay and Silent Bob's Secret Stash in Red Bank, New Jersey, where they filmed Comic Book Men. Uh, that was pretty cool. We went in, and it was really funny because uh, Madison was really excited because she's been watching the show, and Walt was working there. And, um, you know, you hear all the stories about how Walt's really different in person, maybe not so nice or whatever, but... After meeting Walt, I, I kind of got it, man. I was like, you know, can you imagine how many years and how many times people have said said or asked or said the same old stupid shit about the show or whatever? You know, we went in there. It was really cool. And Teaser was telling him that, you know, she liked the show. And they just watched the episode with uh, Freddy Krueger, Robert England, and he cuts the cake or whatever. And, uh, and he was like, oh, yeah, that's great. You know, he, you know he's kind of like on a default mode. And I kind of got it. But then later on, he came up to us and he, um, he had this huge poster for Madison. He goes... Hey, uh, being that you're a fan of the show, to win this uh, big poster, tell um, well, who, what was the name of the guy who Freddy Krueger cut the cake for or whatever. And she couldn't remember the name, but she remembered the letter it started with, which was M for <laughs> Ming. And she was like, oh, that's good enough. And she like he gave her this big, huge, and actually pretty damn cool comic book men poster where they're standing around a bunch of stacked, stacked comic books, like up to them, whatever. And it's signed by everyone except Kevin Smith. And... Uh, <laughs> and uh, it was actually pretty cool it was cool and um and then we were asking him where to eat around there and whatnot and you you know what i think um like i always said we were talking earlier about human interaction it's like you always have to have the one-on-one -on -one with the person you know you can never you have to reserve judgment when based on things you hear or even shit people say on social media how people interact or whatever it's like like going out there was a really cool experience man the, the secret stash was cool much bigger than I thought it was going to be. For some reason, when I watch the show, I always think that it's going to be smaller when I'm there. But it's actually quite yeah. big. And, um, yeah, I think it's the way they shoot because, like, they aren't showing a lot of areas of the shot because, like, they're hiding where producers were. And... Yeah, because it's, it's quite dim in there because when they were filming, they had the lights set up everywhere. So when we were in there, it was, it was more, like, intimate. It was, like, it was low-lit, and it was cool. They had, you know, they had a bunch of books. They had some they had some good back issues. I don't even feel like it was overpriced. Teases bought um, one of the Frank Miller original year one issues. And it was priced pretty well. I, I, I didn't even feel like things were overpriced. Cause I always felt like, oh, it might be generic in there. Things would be overpriced. But it, 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 was, it was a pretty cool shop. How did they have their comics organized? That's how I always judge a shop. Did they, they have it just by alphabetical order? Or was it by publisher? I don't remember, man. All I remember is the new comics were up against the wall on the racks. And the back mm -hmm. issues were in short boxes that were in rows in the middle of the floor from what i can okay. remember it was cool man they had the table where they you know they do the first portion of the episode where they're all sitting and discussing the new topic and uh i uh, i definitely recommend any like hardcore comic book fan that likes the show to check it out one day because red bank new jersey is really awesome too they have a really cool arcade out there they actually have decent pizza which blew my mind I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they had this amazing bakery. And they had this super, like, land. there's this landmark pub out there, too, that people were, like, lined up just trying to get a reservation to get in or whatever. So it was a cool day, and it was, it was cool to actually visit there. It was cool to meet Walt. I think Walt's a cool guy. I think... Uh, I think he's just. I think he's just heard the same old questions over and over again. So he, he, he could be a bit reserved at first, but he's just... He, that was really cool what he did for Madison out in the, the comedy yeah. show. So. DC Collectibles is releasing their latest wave of Batman the Animated Series figures within in about a month. Um, and that in this set you're gonna get the original uh, Two Face, the original Scarecrow, uh, the Hard Act Batman figure, and the Gray Ghost figure. Um, th mm. Thank you DC Collectibles for sending the Bat Force uh, the wave early so we could review them and talk about them. Um, all. 
all four figures are absolutely gorgeous. Man, it is spot on cartoon accurate. We we've complained. I know I've complained so long about the Grey Ghost and the Bat Cycle. We're actually getting both of them now. So, so I think somebody might have been listening, but they they hit it out of the park. And uh, if you're you know, there's a lot of completionists out there for Batman the Animated Series line by DC Collectibles. So obviously, you're definitely gonna want to make sure that your shop orders them or you know there's also other things you could go to grandpa batman's instagram and hit his big bad toy store link yeah to there's go to my go to my link you you can order them straight from there um i'm not i'm not joking <laughs> that dude they don't call him dr dude for nothing and i'm like man the hard act looks so good with his chest ripped open to show the mechanical parts and and the gray ghost comes with the little car set and everything and just it's a great set to have and I hope that they keep making more or whoever we're missing. Also, for anyone who is most people that missed out on the jail set that came with Poison Ivy, the original Poison Ivy, uh, Dr. Free, uh, the, original, the <laughs> original Poison Ivy, Mr. Freeze, which is kind of weird because he's a doctor, isn't he? <laughs> but they, but they always, um, I think Bane's in there. And uh, who was the who was that? Killer, 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 killer Croc. Croc, the original great Killer Croc, and, and also uh, Montoya. Yeah, I'm saying she's in the. Uh, oh right, in the oh, jail. yeah, she's in the jailhouse set. So I don't think they're gonna release her uh, individually, but later this year they're gonna release the other four rogues. So I wasn't worried about the jail cell set one. Like I grabbed everything from the series as it came out, and I wasn't particularly worried about anything disappearing. But that's really what happened with that jail cell set. That thing is gone. Gramps actually made me a custom gray ghost figure, and it came out pretty damn sweet, man. So, shout out to Gramps. Hey, that that's it's a bigger scale, Gramps. I got the Gramps version, so uh, they can't fuck <laughs> with that, man. Bigger scale. Got it. He even got the blue eyes on it. Cartoon accurate, man. He gave me that that's dew. The, that's the OG ghost. OG ghost. Hey, say- <laughs> let's talk about Sh- Shazam. I mean, I think we need to give it <laughs> another <still> review. <laughs> Third review. <laughs> Fourth review. <laughs> I'm glad you liked it that much, man. That's awesome. Damn, that I didn't, much. you know, I mean, I didn't think I would, but man, I, I love that movie. It's a great movie. I really do. It, yep. um, I think it did well at the box office considering most people never even heard of Shazam before. Oh, you know, yeah. When I mean, you factor, yeah. factor that in, I think it did fairly well. You know? I think it's hovering, like getting close to... 400 million worldwide which is not like you know just draw jaw dropping mm. uh, but when you consider that they only spent 100 million to make it i mean yeah. that's mm. pretty profitable they, they a did movie. a lot with that 100 yeah. million man that's a they did a lot with that to be honest with you right that suit alone cost a lot of money to make. Zachary Levi is really happy. Uh, the Rock has verbally confirmed that they are going to start production of the Black Adam movie soon. So that's going to really boost the whole Shazam movie universe as well. I think they can get a few movies out of that with The Rock spearheading it. Especially when Rock executive produced this one, I believe he said. so. Um, now, do you think The Rock maybe tones down some of his muscle mass for black adam why it's so ridiculously huge he's like 350 pounds of but he's he's so much bigger than anyone else in the universe like if he ends up like on screen with uh, you know if if we get henry cable back as superman at some point and rock is like we're gonna have this black adam that dwarfs Superman. <laughs> like the yeah. guy is so massive. And it's good to have the Rock on your team, though. That's for sure. He's, Absolutely. Yeah. He's he's DC through and through, man. He's a, you know, what was it at the MTV Movie Awards? He was like, I smell a lot of Marvel bitches up here. Chris Evans was in like the first or second row or something, yeah. and uh, he told Captain America he was gonna slap him back to Fantastic Four. <laughs> Uh, he and he loves DC and he loves Black Adam. Like he is so gung ho about this. So that's pretty cool, man. Side note was at the uh, Simpsons 30th anniversary panel yesterday. Pretty cool. The voice of Lisa Simpson and uh, the voice of he does Skinner and Mr. Burns and Kent Brockman and a couple of Where others. Where was this at? It was in Tribeca, New York. It was really cool. It was just um, they were talking about 30 years. Matt Groening was there. The 
creator and algae in the we have school here. Years, man, I can, I remember when that first started. Yeah. That is insane to me. Yeah, like I had like Simpsons pajamas and stuff when I was a kid. Well, I remember my my parents wouldn't r- really let me watch it because it used to. That's because George Bush Senior didn't uh, approve of it at first. It's like <laughs> that's if that good Texas American president says so, we ain't putting this on the television, motherfucker. <laughs> Uh, I, I wasn't watching, but I guess this week's episode of Simpsons showed my hometown. They showed uh, like the border of uh, Windsor and Detroit, the Ambassador Bridge. The funny thing is they were talking about that at the panel. Like, see, all the real Simpsons f- fans are home right now watching a new episode when Lisa wants to move to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> it was really cool to see Yeardley Smith, who's the voice of Lisa Simpson there. I thought this was really cool when they asked her, what was it like? What's it like? What's been? What's it been like playing Lisa Simpson for the past thirty years? And she got like really emotional. And I would want to ask her what it was like being in Herman's head. You know what? I if I would have if I was able to have a chat with her and meet her like that, I would say that I I've yeah I've been a fan since Herman's head. I remember Herman's head, which was pretty good. We we need a remake of Herman's head. Not not that we can really delve into it, but the other thing that happened this Sunday was. Game of Thrones uh, season eight, episode three, which was a big motherfucker. Uh, Tom's not on here, so uh, we're not going to get into it because uh, I know you guys haven't watched. But this episode is one that the show's kind of been building for Damn. a long, long time. Uh, this is the 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 big battle. Uh, this is the Night King and his army of the dead. Uh, they're through the wall and yeah, they're attacking. Uh, the the cool thing with this though is this episode broke uh they announced this beforehand that uh it was going to break the guinness record for the longest film battle sequence oh wow so it was previously held by lord of the rings two towers yeah. uh the battle of helms deep was like 30 minutes was the longest uh battle scene ever filmed but uh, yeah, this one, this episode smashed that by mm, uh, 10 or 15 minutes. And I don't know if this is true or not, oh. but I read something about it. It took 53 days to film this battle scene. Yeah, uh, I think it might have been 55. But yeah, somewhere oh, right shit. around there. It was, yeah, a massive production. Between uh, all the people, the, you know, the choreograph. And, and, and the, all night shooting. Uh, yeah, it was an expensive ass episode to do too. Uh, trying to find all the figures of it here. Maybe someday I'll get to watch all of this. Uh, this this is season eight, and it's the final. Eight fucking and, seasons. Uh, each uh, each season, like this, isn't like you diving into um, Supernatural. Each each <laughs> season has been ten episodes, but the final season is only six episodes. Yeah. I need to get some of that yayo. Yeah, that's it right there. That's that's how the episode ends. (laughs) Hey, Gotham dwellers. Make sure to stop everything right now and subscribe to Bat Force Radio. We can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. Don't miss out. Guaranteed to satisfy all of your Batman and DC needs.